the other piece of merchandise that I really liked was a Star Trek Lower Decks Complete Series 1 Collection of Licensed Fan Sets Micro Crew Collector's Pin. What? Say that five times fast. What is it? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast dedicated to fun science fiction. My name is Todd K, and with me, as always, is Garth. Uh, I mean, Scott K. <laughs> hey, how's it going? This week, we have a great episode coming towards you as we do Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 1, and the title of the episode is Second Contact. If you haven't heard about Star Trek Lower Decks, it's actually an animated adventure comedy set in the original Star Trek universe. Uh, it actually began airing on August 6th, 2020 on CBS All Access, which is the CBS streaming service. So it's behind a paywall, which seems to be a popular thing to do for new Star Trek shows. Uh, but that's uh, definitely less than fun trend. What do you think about paywalls? Ooh, I really don't like paywalls. They took Star Trek, what is it, Discovery, Star Trek Picard, and now Star Trek Lower Decks, all behind the paywall just to get people to sign up for their service. It's as if they don't want any new fans. They're like the old crusty fans who have some money, might pay to see this, but they're not going to get new fans by hiding it behind a paywall. They are definitely looking to have the Star Trek fan base pay for CBS All Access. And then hopefully they'll watch some other stuff to help keep it going. Well, we don't want to get too derailed by the unfun on our fun podcast. But uh, if you're out there listening, take it out of the paywall, CBS. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, Star Trek Lower Decks was created by Mike McMahon. Did I say that right? Yes. Who is most famous as a writer-producer for the first three seasons of Rick and Morty. Uh, are we going to lose all our sci-fi cred if we admit we've never seen Rick and Morty? Probably. Uh, it's funny because Dan Harbin is the co-creator of Rick and Morty, but he also created a show you might have heard of called Community, which is uh, yet another show people tried to tell me I had to watch. But it took me a while before I tried it. Of course, once I actually watched Community, it became the basis of life as I know it. So uh, maybe <laughs> I should listen to people when they uh, make suggestions to me. But um, maybe, we, maybe we should check out Rick and Morty. Maybe we should. Yeah. What do you think, Super Sci-Fi Party people? Should we check out Rick and Morty? Hit us up on Twitter and uh, let us know. Do you love Rick and Morty? Do you hate Rick and Morty? Should we do a Rick and Morty episode on the show? Let us know over on Twitter. Star Trek Lower Decks stars Tawny Newsom as Ensign Mariner. Jack Quaid as Ensign Boimler. There's a name that was made for comedy. <laughs> Yo, Boimler! What Definitely. are you doing? See, I was going to come up with a great insult there, and all I had is, what are you doing? <laughs> the classic insult. What are you doing? Oh, that hurts. <laughs> Mom, some kid asked me what I was doing today at school. <laughs> <laughs> Noel Wells stars as Ensign Tendi. 
I hope it's Tendy. Was it Tendy? It is Tendy. Yeah, not Tendai. Yep. I have 15 Tendai coming off my tendrils. Uh, Eugene Cordero is Ensign Rutherford. Uh, and Scott, you know him as Andy Maiwani on the amazingly funny TV show Tacoma FD <laughs> on True TV. I did not know that was him. Yep, he's the guy with the uh, cybernetic wow. implant on the show. That's awesome. Uh, if you have not seen Tacoma FD, you have to check it out. I know it's not sci-fi, but it's amazingly fun. It definitely is. It's probably my favorite new show of 2020. Well, 2019? Yeah. It, it's as new as, as new as it gets for me. <laughs> yeah, another interesting thing. That guy also played a military grunt in Kong Skull Island. And I believe he actually lived to the end of the movie. Well, that would definitely put him in the minority. Uh, Eugene Cordero. Who, who named? Okay, so he's probably was born around what? Probably 85. Yeah. Who was naming their kid Eugene in, ni- in uh, 1985? <laughs> Apparently his parents. Uh, I, we'll have to ask him sometime if we, ever, uh, if we ever get to talk to him. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely get him on the show sometime. <laughs> we, we got that kind of pull. We will rally our 25 listeners. Ooh. We'll be like, put pressure on Or 26, I think, today. We just started the podcast. So wouldn't yeah. it be great if people are listening to this in the future? And we're like Bill and Ted, and we become the basis of all life as they know it. Oh, They're like, can is... you imagine back when they only had 25 listeners? Now they have 25 billion. That is terrifying. Are there even 25 billion people on the planet? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's a little high. We might have to... Although, I mean, if we're doing the Bill and Ted route, then it's going to involve all of the galaxy, possibly the universe. And possibly all forms of life, because they can communicate with them all. Something tells me that a sub-market of a sub-market sci-fi podcast uh, might not reach 25 billion <laughs> 25 billion listeners. I could be wrong. Prove us wrong out there. Star Trek Lower Decks follows the support crew of one of Starfleet's least important ships, the USS Cerritos, in 2380, uh, which I believe puts it after the next generation. It puts it right after the last next generation movie. Uh, Ensign, Ensign's Mariner, Boimler, Rutherford, and Tendy have to keep up with their duties and their social lives, often while the ship is being rocked by a magnitude of sci-fi anomalies. That sounds like a pretty uh, decent premise, don't you think? That sounds like an awesome premise. The series is not a comedy spoof of Star Trek, but rather a comedy series that is set within the Star Trek canon. Creator and showrunner Mike McMahon has said many times, Lower Decks is canon, meaning things that happen on the series could, in theory, affect other shows. Now, what do you think about that? Yeah, from, from what I've heard, the show is supposed to be set, obviously, in the Lower Decks, so it's not following the bridge crew. But then the uh, ship itself and its adventures are also kind of Lower Deck, as in not like the front lines of the Federation. So they feel they have a little more room to play around with storylines and whatnot there. Yeah, one of the big taglines for the show is that Star Trek is always talking about how the Enterprise makes first contact. Well, the Cerritos makes second contact. Or third. Or fourth. <laughs> or twelfth. <laughs> or twenty-third. They are not the guys on the front lines. They are the B-team. They're the guys below deck, guys and girls, below deck, 
they're doing the grunt work, but they're still in outer space in the future. So from our perspective, it's still exciting. Oh, heck yeah. But um, some of them are wishing they could be up on the bridge and some and on a, even on a better ship. And some of them are quite happy to be slackers and uh, hanging out down on the lower decks. As I mentioned before, this show is animated and it usually takes about 13 months from zero to having a finished episode. This is the first Star Trek cartoon since Star Trek the Animated Series ended in 1974. Mm. Of course, Star Trek the Animated Series was a much more serious affair. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And they managed to get the original cast to do the voices for that one. Right, from the original uh, Star Trek, the original series, did the Star Trek the Animated Series voices as well. Yeah, that was pretty serious, and they actually... Sometimes you would see plot lines on there and you'd be like, wow, this is actually better than the live action show. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Earlier, we were speaking about Star Trek The Next Generation. Another production note about the series is the font for the credits is the classic blue Star Trek The Next Generation font. I have to nice. admit, I did not catch that upon first viewing. It kind of blew by. Nice. <laughs> but it's cool. Apparently, the showrunner decided uh, he wanted to try to get away with it, and apparently everyone let him on the Star Trek side. The animation for Star Trek Lower Decks is created by independent animation studio Titmouse out of Vancouver, which provides um, all of the animation for the series. Who who would name their company Titmouse? Someone who wanted people to laugh. I guess so. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's You're going to go into meetings where there's millions of dollars on the line, and you're going to be like, Hi, we have the greatest animators. We've done this show and that show. Uh, please trust your money in your future. Tit mouse. I actually had an idea for my own Star Trek animated series. It was going to be called Keeping Up with the Ferengi Housewives of Riza Hills. Nice. Very nice. Uh, we actually shot a pilot, but oh. then we had to take him to a hospital so he wouldn't die. Dad jokes. Sci-fi dad jokes. Actually, that's not even a sci-fi joke. Keeping up wow. with the Ferengi Housewives of Riza Hills is a sci-fi joke. Uh, speaking of the animation for the show, it is animated <laughs> in the Cal Arts style of Rick and Morty. Cal Arts, of course, is a famous art school in California. And apparently they're known for this style of animation. <laughs> the plot for this episode is Ensign Tendi arrives on the USS Cerritos. She is brand new to the ship and she's given a tour by Ensign's Boimler and Mariner. She is going to work below decks with them. While on a mission, Boimler catches Mariner giving equipment to local farmers and the pair are attacked by a farm animal which happens to resemble a giant spider, which destroys Boimler's uniform and covers him in slime. Meanwhile, Commander Ransom unknowingly carries an alien virus from the planet's surface to the Cerritos, and it quickly infects the crew. Uh, it's actually pretty much a zombie outbreak scene. <laughs> it's glorious. Ensign Rutherford is on a date with Ensign Barnes, and they actually fight off infected crew members but Rutherford loses interest in her because Barnes is not interested in the Cerritos' mechanics. Chief Medical Officer Tana 
uses the slime on Boimler to synthesize an antidote. Boimler chooses not to report Mariner for giving things to the farmers. And Mariner thanks Boimler and decides to mentor him towards becoming a captain. Sounds very sci-fi, yeah. It's very sci-fi. Sounds very Star Trek. Yeah, you got a second contact, alien virus, an outbreak on the ship. It's um, Star Trek, but it's not Star Trek. Uh, I can see both sides. The, um, for example, when the alien outbreak takes place, uh, when people start getting sick from the alien virus, it, uh, <laughs> it is pure zombie. Oh, yeah. It's a super rapidly spreading zombie attack. <laughs> it's glorious to see because I have to admit, up until that point in the episode, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. It kind of hasn't won me over yet. It's dragging a little. And then all of a sudden, zombie outbreak on an Enterprise ship in a Star Trek series. I was like, oh, I am in. <laughs> yeah, zombie outbreaks seem to do it for you. It seems like there was a Halloween episode of Community that had a zombie outbreak that really won you over on that show, too. Glorious episode. Zombie outbreaks are just fun. When done comedically, yes. <laughs> see, see, I'll watch any zombie outbreak. I watched the first few seasons of The Walking Dead. I thought it was great. I've watched, of course, older and older zombie movies. Even um, Michael mm-hmm. Jackson, his music video for Thriller that had all True. the zombies. I just, I like zombies, but I can get zombied out. There was a while there where everything was about zombies. If it was horror, it was zombies. And then I was kind of turned off. I'm like, all right, you have, you have exceeded maximum zombiehood. And yet, The Walking Dead still struggles on, I guess. Uh, I can't imagine if you were, you know... Uh, let's take sidetrack ourselves a little bit, but if you died when the zombie outbreak started and you're walking around and your flesh is rotting off of you, would you still be going six years later? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you just be a skeleton? And you know, it's actually your tendons and things that keep your skeleton together. So it would just fall apart. Like, I don't know. I I think, I think they've been pushing it with walking dead and the spinoffs. But of course, there's cash to be made. People still seem to like it, though. Cash is the real zombie, and it's Ooh. coming for us all. Ooh. Give us your cash. So meta. Something. <laughs> we like the show. Yes. Oh, definitely like the show. Going to keep watching. Very funny. Um, the reception out there in the world uh, for Star Trek Lower Decks, it was rated 65% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Which is a decent critic score, but then the average audience score is only 36%. Ooh. Um, I have a feeling that the 36% has a lot to do with that paywall. Because it's Star Trek fans that are going to go, you know, pay to get through a paywall to see a Star Trek series. True. Uh, I think another part of it is they're, they, they see that it's animated and funny, and that might turn off some of them. Although, I swear to you, if you give it a chance, if you're one of those people, you will most likely like it. Well, you've tapped into a whole thing. Uh, as you know, I linger on various online forums for Star Trek and Facebook groups and whatnot, and I can tell you there were definitely uh, split feelings regarding Star Trek Lower Decks when they announced it, when they played the first trailers from it, when the plot was known, uh, when they started talking about it being canon. Um, 
There was a very vocal contingent of Star Trek fans who seemed to think Star Trek Lower Decks was going to be the end of the entire franchise. (laughs) Yeah, there's other groups that I've found online that think it might save it. (laughs) Well, that's the whole thing. Is uh, We haven't seen, as far as I know, we have not seen a show like this in the entire Star Trek pantheon. Big word. Um, There's no, in the whole franchise... There hasn't been a straight comedy show that I can think of. Nope. And I think some of the hardcore fans didn't know what to make of Star Trek comedy. They're like, that's not something that Star Trek does. (laughs) All right. If you watch through all the old episodes and even TNG, there's a lot of comedy intermingled in there. It isn't the focus like on this, but. I would definitely call Star Trek The Next Generation a fun sci-fi show. Yes. Now, not every episode, mind you, because there are, I mean, there's episodes of Star Trek, the next generation that are about like assisted suicide and the right to die and all kinds of like, true, like it gets deep, but there are other things that are absolutely hilarious. And I'm sure at some point we're going to pull an episode or two that were particularly fun and cover them here on Super Sci-Fi Party. But uh, for me, I'm, I'm going to admit, I think the next generation was the epic of Star Trek. It was the highest point. It was the peak. But uh, that doesn't mean there can't be another peak. But I think if you like The Next Generation, if you're an old school Star Trek fan like us, I think you're still going to like Star Trek Lower Decks. I think there's a lot of fans out there, particularly old school fans who still don't know what to think of Lower Decks. Um, there's a contingent who simply will not watch it. They have decided they don't like it and they're like, nope, we're not going to watch it. We're not going to support it. We hate what it's doing to Star Trek. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I respect their opinion. I don't share it. But I do think if you're going to say something is evil and killing the franchise that you love, you should at least watch part of an episode to see if that's actually true. Yeah, that's fair. I know that's not the thing people do online these days. Usually it's just knee-jerk reaction, us versus them. Are you with them? Oh, then I hate you. Hey, wait. Are what? you with them? Yes. You're using a different microphone than me. You're the other <laughs> microphones. Write in now if you don't like the other microphone people. Oh, we- come on. It's them. He's the other microphone people, not me. We can start a club called uh, the Anti-Other Microphone People oh. League. <laughs> League. <laughs> you got to put that in there. So it's very uh, us versus them. Regarding what people think of Star Trek Lower Decks, and like I said, we're both we're both pro. I have to admit, when I first heard about the idea, I thought it was a little odd. I was like, they're going to do an animated comedy set in the Star Trek Next Generation universe, or I guess we what is the name? Is it called the original universe? Because I know the other one's the Kelvin universe for the movies. Oh uh, yeah, it's just or, the original timeline, I guess, for the movies from the two thousands. Yeah, yeah. when they did the whole Calvin thing, they got off into alternate timelines and thus made a multiverse for Star Trek. But somehow the original Spock was there, but it branched off. We're, we're going to get back into some Bill and Ted time travel stuff. <laughs> okay, no, we're not. But um, so anyway, the original universe, uh, they do drop some allusions to things that happened before on other shows, so... I don't know what to say to the fans who are 
anti-lower decks, except I'd say give it a try, and I'd also say uh, maybe, hmm, I don't know, lighten up! <laughs> lighten up! <laughs> Wasn't it's, expecting that. It's 2020, the sky is falling, dogs are burning, locusts are coming out of the sky! Murder, mur- murder I woke lost. up this morning, all my teeth were gone. <laughs> I had to search through the house to find it. No, I don't know. We're Cats making- and dogs living together. <laughs> You look out the, oh, there's your dog. Bow, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, but come on. If, if there was ever a time that we needed to lighten up and laugh at some comedy, it's 2020. So they, I think they have perfect timing, and I'm glad that they decided to do the show. And I hope that more Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. That's it. Uh, we gotta get. We have That's to get. Spin-off. We have to get that trademark today. Star Trek. <laughs> What's the? Uh, what was the movie that had MacDonald? Oh, uh, coming to America. Coming to America. Starring Eddie Murphy had a McDonald's ripoff called MacDonald's. <laughs> so we're gonna have Star Trek. <laughs> Just to Space, get around copyright. One of the frontiers. That's right. Space. Kind of a frontier. These are the voyages of the Star Freck Super Prize. Super Fries? Super, mm. <laughs> super Fries. Hello, may I have a large Super Fries on the Star Freck? <laughs> sure, just go to nine forward. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I think it's time now for us to talk about the top three most fun moments in Star Trek Lower Decks. Every episode, I give my top three most fun moments, and Scott does the same, and we compare notes. We have not talked to each other about what our top three most fun (laughs) moments are from the episode, so why don't you start us off with your number three most fun moment from Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 1. Number three, Ensign Mariner is talking to Boimler on the planet. He's been injured, and her line is, you'll be fine. Doc will wave a light over it. And I just loved that moment. I'm just like, yep, that's, that's all it takes to heal people on Star Trek. Well, it just so happens that you hit my number two most fun moment. <laughs> Ensign Boimler has just been pummeled by a giant space spider. And Ensign Mariner looks at him and says, you'll be fine. Dock a wave of light over it. Which, of course, sure. is a fun reference to Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, where they just whip out. Is it actually a tricorder? Is that a different? Uh, no, it's a... Just a, a medical light that they wave over it. Light. it. It really is. That's right. Tricorder does the readings, and then the light fixes it. It might be attached to the tricorder. It's some kind of super medical device that shoots a beam out that heals pretty much almost anything. Uh, don't you wish we had that kind of technology? Uh, if you could heal your wrist just by waving a special light over it? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I would find a way to bathe my entire body in that light. That, that would be the shower every day. That's right. Mm-hmm. I would just change all the lights in my house to that healing light. I'd be like, no, no. Can I, I just want the healing light. Ooh, could it reverse aging? <laughs> well, if that was the case, then mm. uh, we would no longer do this podcast. <laughs> you have the healing light factory. Yeah. That's right. We'd be multi-quad billionaires. Anyway, uh, it's just, <laughs> it struck us both, apparently. It's very funny, just the fact it was a reference to earlier Star Treks 
And just the idea that she called it wave of light, not not heal you with the special, you know, I'm sure it has yep. some kind of technical term. It's like, Doc, I'll wave a light over it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. What was your number two most fun thing about Star Trek Lower Decks? Number two. Episode one. While giving Tendi the tour of the sleeping quarters, which are basically, you know, just the sleeping compartment in a train, just a bunch of bed chambers in a hallway. Ensign Boimler says, you know, trying to play it up, you know, we're, we're pretty close to the showers, which is nice. It does get kind of musty, though, which is weird since we use sonic showers. I'm just like, <laughs> Must from a sonic shower. I like it. If there was a way to make the bathroom dirty, uh, I would find it, even if it was sonic. <laughs> Be like, oh, you're supposed to, uh, I don't know, the sonic waves are piling up in the corner. I have to admit, I do like the whole idea of sonic showers. I kind of think, I'm trying to remember way back to that cartoon, uh, the Jetsons, where George Jetson mm. would get on a conveyor belt in the morning, and they would like wash him and brush his teeth for him and comb his hair. I've always dreamed that that would, <laughs> I thought that would come in our lifetimes. The big morning conveyor belt. That's mm. right. When it's just, you could stand there still half asleep and it would just prepare you for the day automatically. Yeah, that would be nice. It's the lazy man's super dream. What about your number one most top fun moment in Star Trek Lower Decks episode one? My number one moment was that, you know, there's the zombie outbreak going on. Uh, starts up in the bar, and Ensign Rutherford continues his date while hiding behind a table. Then later on, they continue that theme as they're running down a hallway, fighting off the zombies, and they're still holding hands and giving the googly eyes. and Just the concept, you know, that no matter what, they're going to have this date. <laughs> they seem very adamant. Yep. Uh, my number three top most fun moment in Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1, Episode 1 is when they start dropping all kinds of references to characters from earlier Star Trek shows. It's kind of mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, they even mentioned something about Deanna Troy's outfits as they're going <laughs> off the air. Uh, what do you think about uh, Deanna Troy's outfits? Uh, for, the, for the people that don't know what we're talking about. They, they were most excellent. Uh. <laughs> for the people that don't know what we're talking about, or maybe too young or didn't see Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, Deanna Troy is the ship's counselor. She's kind of a psychologist, psychiatrist in one. Plus, she can read. Path. Yeah, she can read emotions. Um, it's like her superpower. But uh, why did they mention her outfits? <laughs> I got to say, I don't remember that particular aspect of the show. But Well, they just said, oh, Deanna Troy, she's great. She started in a... Something about jumpsuit or I don't know. Anyway, well, on the original Star Trek The Next Generation, what I'm getting to is she, for some reason, she was an attractive lady with uh, long, black, spirally hair, uh, really pretty face. And she got to, for some reason, the rest of the crew dressed in matching crew outfits, but she had a different, tighter, lower cut kind of uniform that she wore for some reason. <laughs> Um, they never really did explain, and then it seems like at some point they finally like, hey, why aren't you wearing an actual crew uniform? They kind of put it into an episode where, where somebody's like, hey, we expect you to be in a regular uniform. Nope, I remember what, first episode of TNG, she started out in the mini dress that they had going on, a la the original Star Trek. 
And then, man, I think it was one episode later, they had her in the skin-tight unitard pretty much for the rest of the series. I think towards the last season, she became a commander and got to wear a normal uniform. It was, it was, uh, we were slowly moving towards equality <laughs> or, or taking steps towards equality on TV, and it was directly reflected in her outfit. But then, of course, Voyager came out. <laughs> Seven of nine, they're like, oh, well. Hey, she needs that skin tight We, we can just spray on. paint her uniform yeah. on because that will be cool. I mean, to be fair, in the uh, pilot episode of Next Generation, they did have uh, male crew members also wearing the mini dress outfit. And like I said, second episode, those were all gone. My number two most fun moment, as we already mentioned, was uh, Weave a Light Over It. And my number one is actually also one that you mentioned. Ensign <laughs> Rutherford and his date keep their date going during a zombie outbreak, including during, also including during an emergency spacewalk where they're running out of air. <laughs> they're like, uh, they just keep the date going as if the events unfolding around them happen all the time, which would make sense if you actually worked on a Star Trek vessel of that era. According to the the TV shows and the movies, crazy things happen all the time, but they just keep their date going. And uh, he's talking about the date to one of the other crewmates at the end. He says, did the rage virus ruin your date? He's like, nah, that stuff happens all the time. (laughs) Of course it does. Of course. So what's the worst thing that ever happened to you on a date, Scott? Uh, It got cut short. So. I was in college. I was on a double date with a friend of mine named Art. God, what was her name? See, we only went on the one date and it got cut short and never talked to her again, strangely. But we were at a movie theater. We were watching a horror movie. She had kind of leaned in like the, ooh, protect me from the scary movie thing. And I'm like, sweet. And the movie starts playing two minutes into the movie. There's this melting effect going on on the screen. You know, there's just light and melting plastic. Ah. And it turns out it was actually the movie melting in the old film reel. And yes, that's how old I am. They were actually shown on film. But yes, it melted, ruined the date, never had another one. You know, it's funny now that I think about it, how many movies we saw that melted. <laughs> I mean, we, we lived kind of in the middle of nowhere. We went to theaters in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But they were kind of crappy because there was at least a half dozen times growing up where we were watching something and it just melted. Sometimes they fixed it. Sometimes they're like, we will give you free passes at the exit. I'm like, I I just watched half this movie. I don't want free passes. Fix it. Yep. So that was my worst. Uh, And then you're like, well, I guess the date's over. Why didn't you guys like call an audible and do something else? I have no idea. I, I, I can't remember back that far, I guess. Well, my worst dates, I won't go into a lot of details, but I was on a date with a new girl that I've never been out with before. And we went back to her place and she had been partaking in multiple controlled substances. Uh, if you haven't guessed, this is when I was working on cruise ships. <laughs> um, and she was very much a party girl. Anyhow, we're on a couch in her stateroom and I had my arm around her. And the moment finally came where she slowly leaned in to kiss me. But she just kept on leaning until her face smashed into my chest and she partially fell into my lap. 
because it turned out she had passed out cold mid lean. Oh, uh, it was very reminiscent of that scene from 16 Candles where yeah. Anthony Michael Hull's in the convertible with the prom queen who passes out on his lap. Uh, at first, I thought it might be a joke, but no, she was out. Uh, I guess the joke was on me, as they say. And I took her off me and put a blanket on her, and I was like, okay. And we never went on another day because I was like, I um, think you might have some issues that you need to work on before you uh, start working on my issues with me. So anyway, uh, we both thought that was one of the most fun moments from the episode is when the two crew members just keep their date going, no matter what kind of uh, sci-fi craziness is happening around them. Uh, If you haven't seen it, you're definitely going to want to check it out. The music for Star Trek Lower Decks is all score. And for those of you that don't know the difference between a soundtrack and a score, soundtrack often contains songs that are used as, as a background for a show. Whereas a score is usually written by a composer. Um, it's more background music. Uh, it can be orchestral or electronic or whatnot, but it's the whole thing is written by a composer. And the composer for Star Trek Lower Decks is Chris Westlake. I have to admit, I'm not familiar with the work of Chris Westlake. How about you? I am not. Not outside of this, anyways. His previous work includes Castle Rock, Before We Go, Transit, and Small Town Crimes. Now, I think maybe I've heard of Castle Rock, but I've never seen it. See, all I keep thinking is Fraggle Rock. (laughs) Well, see, that actually occurred to me, too. Uh, I'm going to keep it real. I don't really know any of those shows, but when I heard Castle Rock, I kept thinking, down in Castle Rock. There's all kinds of kids out there going, what the heck is he doing? Yep. Uh, there used to be a show. Was it on HBO? Gosh, I have no idea. It was called Fraggle Rock, and it, uh, it starred puppets who lived in a cave. You know, I know I'm starting to understand why people think the 80s was crazy. <laughs> it yeah, but it was crazy fun. Puppets who lived in a cave, and the smallest puppets seemed to mine some kind of Crystal meth substance or something. Yeah, I think what, what were they? The doozers, I think. And then the bigger ones ate the crystal meth, and then the the bigger ones yet ate the puppets that ate the crystal. Meth. I don't know. And I believe it was all set in the in an old guy's backyard, <laughs> and his dog would chase the larger puppets. Uh, it, it's it sounds crazy, and it kind of was, but uh, the theme was very very catchy. Like I kind of think. Half the reason that show was popular is because of the theme song. Yeah. But anyway, Chris Westlake was the composer, and I did kind of a deep dive on it. Because um, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, um, in my other life, I do I compose music and I do sound design for games. Um, I went to a site, and it actually said, as of June 24th, 2020, and the show debuted in August 2020. Yeah. September? August. August. August 2020. The blog Musique Fantastique was reporting that the show did not yet have a composer on June 24th. Uh, you would think there'd be a longer lead time on a show like this. Uh, but they at that time, they still were looking for a composer. Can you believe that? No. That just speaks to the speed at which TV composers must work or streaming show composers I call everything that's not a movie TV now because I don't know 
I'll accept it. I'm old school. Call it show. The show composers, the speed at which they must work. Because in late June, they still didn't have a composer. Um, what a blog title. Musique Fantastique. <laughs> I find the name of that blog to be intimidating for some reason. Mm. Makes me think we didn't try hard enough to name our show. Uh, we could have named it mm. The Amazing Tastical Science Fiction Grand Gathering. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Man, could you see people typing that into the web? Yeah, that's going to be worse than the the, f- the fabulous hyphen that I left in there that I shouldn't have. Oh. <laughs> super sci hyphen fi party.com. Should have just been super sci fi party. We, we might have to fix that, but we'll, we'll find out. Uh, the opening theme for Star Trek Lower Decks is actually very reminiscent of the classic Trek TN. Oh. The opening musical theme for Star Trek Lower Decks is very reminiscent of classic Trek TV themes like The Next Generation, Voyager, and DS9. Uh, I liked it a lot. What did you think? Yeah, definitely like that one. Um, I I have this habit of buying soundtracks in particular scores. Yes, you do. And this is definitely on the list for once they finish a season and have enough to put out a score. Hopefully they put out a score. Yeah, Chris Westlake did a great job of Mm -hmm. copying the feel, as we say in the composing industry. He uh, mimicked it while still, he wrote within the style, but still did something new. And um, I think his score was actually helped by the fact that when they do the opening scenes or any of the the faraway ship shots for Mm. this show, the ships are extremely realistic looking. Like for some reason... The characters in the show are not particularly realistic. It kind of, re- if you're old enough to remember, it kind of reminds you of Flash animation. Kind of, yeah. But the ships are extremely detailed. And when you get that music coming that sounds very much like the classic show scores, it really sets the mood. If you're an old, old school Star Trek fan, you're like, okay, this is Star Trek. See, when I was taking notes for this show originally... I had it under my, my good list that the sets, the ship design, the scenery, all of that is incredibly well done, sets the scene beautifully. Uh, you get to the characters and aliens, they're a bit more simplistic. And in my note, before I even knew anything about it, I had it, uh, think Rick and Morty. <laughs> and then I find out, you know, that they're some of the same creators in Animation House. So. Yeah, it's... um. It's a very interesting mix of realistic backgrounds and ships and then more cartoon-looking characters. Yep. It works, though. And some of the aliens were particularly realistic-looking as well, but the main lead humans and um, people who are part of the Federation all seem to have the cartoon look. It, it works really well, and it's really cool. Um, I think they kind of had to go, because it's supposed to be a comedy, an animated yeah. comedy, they had to go with cartoony looking characters, um, just because they can get extra expressive with some of the crazy things they say. True, true, true. I will mention that a little bit of the language that comes through, it's not a particularly profane show or anything, No, but um, there was at least, I wish I had written the quote down, there was at least one quote that somebody dropped and I was like, whoa, okay, they would not have said that on Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> I think somebody calls somebody else the B word or something. I was like, whoa. 
it seemed, that seemed a little out of place. But um, otherwise, really, really funny. Like we do on all episodes, I like to take a look out there and see what kind of merch is available. Um, when we checked out Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, like most things Star Trek, there is actually a decent amount of Star Trek Lower Deck merchandise available on the web. Um, it's nowhere near the level of general Star Trek merchandise that's out there, of course. I mean, you could buy... Yeah, how you, could it be? <laughs> you could buy Star Trek anything. Did you know you can buy a Star Trek onesie for your baby? Yes. Oh. <laughs> you, you can get it in both Next Generation, Original Series. Uh. Of course, being single guys, we have uh, non-existent babies. So do you think Star Trek onesies come in non-existent size? They do make outfits for dogs. If you want to go the fur baby route. They should really get that non-existent size. If they don't have that, they should. <laughs> what sci-fi merchandise would you buy for your non-existent baby? Ooh. Uh, the Jordy LaForge visor. Just to help him see the way. Yeah, just, just why not? Or to help him hold back his hair. Make people feel sorry for the blind baby. Uh, ew, that took a dark turn. Whoa. <laughs> That's it. No non-existent babies for you. Aww. Wait, that means you get existent babies? One of the uh, first pieces of merchandise I found that I really liked was a USS Serrato stainless steel flask, <laughs> which is available at Amazon.com. Um, it's cool looking. Has the, has the logo. Uh, what can you say? It's a flask. I was immediately drawn to that. Um, the other piece of merchandise that I really liked was a Star Trek Lower Decks Complete Series 1 Collection of Licensed Fan Sets Micro Crew Collector's Pin. What? Say that five times fast. What is it? It's a collection of pins for each of the characters that's on each of the main characters that's on Star Trek Lower Decks. $50 for the complete set, and that's available at fansets.com. Nice. Uh, very cool because they were, you know, just little pins of each character, and I liked it. And back in the day, I would have got some for my jean jacket. Ooh, my acid wash <laughs> jean jacket. Could have put a bunch on there. Most of the merch I found was your standard T-shirts and things, but uh, if you do a little digging around, you can find some cool things. I have a feeling as the show goes on, there's going to be more merchandise available, and if it turns into any kind of popular show. Then, of course, Star Trek is going to beat it like a dead horse for every bit of cash they can squeeze out of it. Of course, I don't think cash comes out of dead horses. Yeah, the image in my head was not pretty. I've never really checked that assumption, but uh, I think we'll have to skip that. Do you have anything else you want to say about Star Trek Lower Decks? Nah, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) I mean, basically, if you're a Star Trek fan, give it a chance. You might be surprised. I think that's a pretty good way to put it. I can see where people were upset that the show is coming in and maybe it was going to do bad things to the franchise. But if you really think about it, I mean, there was a time when Star Trek and Star Wars were considered equal franchises. Or actually, at one time, because Star Trek predates Star Wars, Star Trek was bigger than Star Wars. And even when Star Wars first started... Star Trek was still bigger. They had a bigger fandom. Um, they started having conventions first. Yep. I, actually, I think they're one of the, they're not the first, but they're one of the first uh, series to actually start having conventions for the fans. 
but it has definitely shifted in the last what decade yeah where star wars has blown up to be the first or second actually the first largest franchise in the world and star trek has been doing some shrinking i think (laughs) now that i think about it aren't there a few star wars animated series Oh, gosh. Yes. That are kind of, some of them are less serious than, say, the Star Wars movies. I know there's some that are done not actually too far off from the style of Lower Decks. You got me wondering about the Star Wars animated series. Because I'm coming across, like, Clone Wars, the Rebellion, and all that stuff. But that's all 3D animated and takes itself very serious. Yeah, I don't know. That there's been a straight-up comedy. Oh, yes. I forgot the whole Lego series of Star Wars huh. stuff. Well, that's a good point. Of course, they don't just do Star Wars, though. Wasn't there a Lego Batman animated series? Yes. Yeah, all of that predating the Lego movie. Kind of ran up to it, actually. Maybe there's not a lot of precedent for a straight-up animated comedy directly from a franchise. But I kind of wonder... If they took their cues from Star Wars and they're like, oh, those Star Wars animated shows are doing well for the franchise. Why can't we have one of those for Star Trek? Well, there's a lot of people tend to think of the Star Trek as the more serious and intellectual. But I mean, if you really watch the show, they usually keep it fairly lighthearted and then throw some heavy themes behind it. So then... You're coming at it with a strictly animated show with the sole purpose of being comedic. I guess that could make people nervous. Yeah, it's kind of hit or miss with the old Star Trek series, whether the episode's going to be more action-adventure or if it's going to be about... Tribbles. um, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Is it Tribbles or is it going to be about should an artificial life form have independence? That kind of thing. It gets... Heavier, or does he have the right to procreate, quote unquote, make offspring for himself? Or, like I said, there was one about assisted suicide, um, racism with the original Star Trek, with the guys with the half white and half black faces, or the half black and half white faces, and the whole, which I still think they ripped off from Dr. Seuss and the Star Belly Sneeches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they probably did. If you don't know it, kids, look it up. Well, showrunner Mike McMahon summed it up like this, quote, I would say keep watching the show if you're finding things you like. If you're holding us to task, if there are things that you want to be better, keep watching, because I think you'll be really surprised at how many different amazing and fun kinds of stories are coming across the first season, unquote. So he says keep watching. Of course, he he would say (laughs) keep watching, but... uh, (laughs) I think we're going to take his advice. Definitely. Keep watching the show. And maybe if we're really liking it, we might do another episode of Super Sci-Fi Party about Star Trek Lower Decks. But uh, that does it for Star Trek Lower Decks for today. All right. We're applauding for ourselves. Well, we do rock. Anyway, that'll wrap it up for Super Sci-Fi Party, the podcast where we talk about fun science fiction. Uh, Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott. And remember, science fiction is only fiction until someone comes along and makes it science fact. Have a good one, everybody. (laughs) 